You're listening to Choose, a sermon series about choices and consequences. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah. Hey, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to look at the person sitting next to you, and you need to tell them, hey, look, uh, you got to take it easy. Tell them, take it easy. It's very important. Very important. Thanksgiving week this week, and so you, you know there's going to be a lot of turkey, but tell them they need to take it easy. Take it easy, right? Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that you are joining us today. Uh, we're starting a brand new series called Choose, Choose, and see, life really is full of choices from the moment you wake up and your feet hit the floor to the moment you lay your head down at night, you are making choices. You are choosing. And some people take their choices very, very seriously. I have a six-year-old. Her name is Sadie Kate, and, Sadie Kate, and she, is, uh, she is very serious about the choices that she makes. Uh, the other day I was getting her up, got her ready for school, and so I, I told her, I said, Sadie Kate, you need to get your shoes on because we've got to go. So she walks over to her closet, and I walk into the kitchen, and I'm waiting on Sadie, and I'm waiting on Sadie, and I'm waiting on Sadie, and so I start yelling from the kitchen. I'm like, Sadie Kate, you, you got to hurry up. It's time for us to go. Any parents, you know what I'm talking about? You got to hurry up. And so she's, she's not answering me. So I walk back down to her room, and I see her standing right in front of her closet. You know what I mean? And she's looking like she's trying to solve this complicated puzzle. She's just like, Hmm. And I mean, there's shoes in her closet, there's flip-flops in her closet, there's, there's boots in her closet. And she says, I said, Sadie Kate, get your shoes on, it's time to go. And she says, well, it's just so hard. She said, if I wear these shoes, I have to change my socks because they don't match. And she said, and if I wear these boots, they're going to make my, my feet sweaty. And so I'm sitting here going, are you kidding me, Sadie Kate? Hurry up and get some shoes. This ain't your wedding day. It ain't got to be perfect. We got to go. You are going to be late. And so she goes, oh, I don't know what to choose. You know what I mean? And so sometimes our choices really are very difficult. Sometimes they, they are. They're, they're difficult. But what I want you to understand is that what we are right now, who we are, Essentially, we are the sum total of all the choices we've made in our past. Who we're going to be tomorrow really is going to be dependent upon our choices that we are making today. What we'll be able to do tomorrow is dependent upon the choices that we make today. And so our choices matter. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some specific choices that each and every one of us really need to make in our life. And so as we get started today, I want to ask you to do me a favor. I need you all to participate. Everybody say, I can participate. All right, here's what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine, okay? Tell the person sitting next to you. They can do it. All right, I need you to imagine. Some of y'all weren't participating. I said, I need everybody to participate. But I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine. If you've got to close your eyes to do that, you can close them. Just make sure you open them back up and don't fall asleep. So here's what I need you to do. Just imagine right now that everybody in this room likes you. Imagine that everybody in this city loves you. Imagine that everybody in this state thinks you are amazing. Imagine that everybody in this world thinks you are awesome. Imagine that. Isn't that great? I hope you enjoyed it, because it'll never happen. 
right? <laughs> tell the person sitting next to you, say, you know better. Ain't nobody ever going to like you. Tell them that. You know what I mean? You know, no, not everybody is going to like us, but stay with me. I want you to imagine again. I want you to imagine with me something else. Here's what I want you to, to do. I want you to imagine, for those of you who are Christians and those of you who are followers of Christ, I want you to imagine waking up every morning full of passion and full of, full of purpose. I want you to imagine that you wake up every morning and you are so driven by trying to please Christ that what other people think about you doesn't matter. I want you to imagine that, that God is really, really looking at your life and he's, he's wanting to look at the choices that you are going to make. And so you decide that you are going to live for him. You're not going to worry about other people. You are that focused. Can you imagine that? That you can actually please God. Can you imagine that? See, I want you to know that you and I actually can live our life that way. And God actually wants you and I to live that way. I believe that each and every one of us truly can choose to live a life of purpose over popularity. We can choose purpose over popularity, and that's really what we're going to talk about today. The problem with so many of us is that by default, we choose the exact opposite. We're always thinking, what does he think about me? What does she think about me? What do they think about me? Do they, do they like me? We, we are consumed with those types of thoughts all the time. We're so consumed with trying to get people to like us that oftentimes we forget about what our purpose is. We don't even know what our purpose is. And when we don't know what our purpose is, when you don't know the purpose of a thing, what I want you to understand today is that when you don't know the purpose of it, you oftentimes misuse that thing and abuse that thing. See, here's, here's the thing. I've got three German shepherds. I've got Zeus in my life. I've got Xena in my life. And I've got another one called Khaleesi. We call her Callie uh, for short. But I've got three German shepherds at my house, and I love them. I really do most of the time. I love them, okay? And so Callie, uh, are, are, she's really a year old. She's still a puppy, and she's special. And what I mean by that is that She's not real smart, okay? Uh, she, doesn't know, she doesn't know much. Uh, I, don't, I don't think she knows much anything. She can sit, uh, and she can shake your hand, but that's really about it. Uh, she, and she's always tearing stuff up. She's, always, she's like a, a bull in a china cabinet. You know what I mean? She just comes through there, and she's breaking stuff all the time. We put her in a kennel. We put her in a cage every night because we just can't trust her. You know what I'm saying? And so um, obviously uh, one night I put her in her cage. I put her in her kennel, and her kennel happened to be touching the couch that was right beside uh, her, her kennel. And so I wake up the next morning, and I go in there to let her out, and something catches, catches my eye, okay? Now, here's the deal. How many of y'all know what a couch is? You say, Robert, that's easy. Everybody knows that, but obviously not because not everybody raised their hand, okay? So a couch... A couch is for sitting down, okay? A couch is for laying down on. A couch is for relaxing on. Well, my dog obviously d didn't know that. My, uh, my dog obviously doesn't understand that because, uh, again, her cage is touching the couch, and, and I would tell y'all what she did, but it would be better for me just to show y'all. So check this out. I got a picture right here for y'all. Oh, hey, you, uh, did you see that? And that's my dog just standing there amazed by her work. I may or may not have almost killed that dog, okay? 
Y'all pray for me, all right? But again, my dog doesn't understand what a couch is for. Couches are not for chewing. Couches are for sitting, but she doesn't know that. And again, the truth is when we don't know the purpose of something, we oftentimes misuse it and abuse it. And the same is true for your life and my life. When we don't know the purpose of our life, oftentimes we begin to experiment with other things. We begin to try this and try that. And oftentimes what happens is we end up chewing our life up and abusing our life, misusing our life because we don't understand what our life is supposed to be meant for. So if you don't know the purpose of a thing, if you don't know something's purpose, what do you do? What do you do? You you know what you should do when you don't know the purpose of a thing? You should ask its creator. You really do. If you don't know the purpose of something, you ask the creator what it is meant to be used for. And so that means that you and I, we need to ask our creator, what is this life for? What is our purpose. Our problem is that instead of going to our creator, a lot of times to find out what our purpose is, we go to other people. We go to other things and we try to ask this thing what they think our thing is. You know what I mean? We're like, what is our thing? And what happens oftentimes is that we're trying to do what this thing wants us to do and that thing wants us to do and this thing wants us to do. And we begin to live our life trying to please others. We live our life trying to get other people to like us. And again, we end up forgetting about what our real purpose is. We're wondering, do I fit in? Does this person like my haircut? Do they like my clothes? Do they like this about me? Are we friends? And again, I want you to understand, again, if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you ask the person who created that thing what its purpose is. Because here's what you and I need to understand. It's not about what other people want. It's not. It's not about pleasing others. Our life should be so consumed with pleasing God that again, when we wake up in the morning, that's what we're focused on. Living for him, living to please him. And whether we realize it or not, when you and I are living our life for the approval of others, that will keep us from the purposes of God. When you and I are living our life to please others, that will keep us from the purposes of God. Jesus says that you and I can't serve two masters. The fastest way to forget about what God wants for you is to begin to focus on what other people want for you. And as long as we're consumed with the approval of other people, I'm telling you, we won't be living for the purposes of God. So we've got to make a choice. And today, I hope that you will choose purpose over popularity, purpose over comfort. Now, the scripture gives us many, many examples of people who did this, but one of the people that we're going to look at today is a guy by the name of Moses, and I know that you know who Moses is. He's the guy who went to Pharaoh, who God told to go to Pharaoh and say, hey, man, you need to let my people go, but a little more context about who Moses is is that Moses was born a Hebrew slave. He was born at a time when Pharaoh had commanded that 
all the Hebrew boys be killed. And so once Moses is born, what you need to understand is that his parents weren't going to listen to Pharaoh. They weren't going to listen to Pharaoh. In fact, after Moses was born, they hid Pharaoh. They hid Moses. And they, they hid Moses as long as they could. And finally, they couldn't, help, couldn't hide him any longer. So they placed Moses in God's hands. They literally made a basket and put Moses in that basket and put him in the Nile River. Well, do you know where his basket wound up at? His basket went right to, it floated right down to Pharaoh's daughter. It floated to the very daughter of the man who had said all the Hebrew boys need to be killed. And so guess what? She doesn't kill Moses. Instead, you know what she does? She adopts Moses as her son. So Moses, again, he's born into poverty. He's born into slavery, but he ends up living a life of the rich and the famous. He does. He lives this life of extravagance. He, he, he's a prince in Egypt. And even though Moses could have enjoyed a comfortable life for the rest of his life and all of his life, even though he could have chosen a life of comfort, instead of choosing a life of comfort, he, he, he could have even given in to the popular opinion, I need to be who Pharaoh wants me to be because I'm set up pretty good here. I need to be who the people want me to be because I'm set up pretty good here. Instead of living a life of comfort, instead of choosing popularity, he chose purpose over popularity. You got to see this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 26, check out what the Bible says. It says it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Watch this. It says he he chose. What did he do? He chose to share the oppression of God's people. He chose to be mistreated with God's people. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Why? Because he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. What did, what did Moses do right there? He chose purpose over comfort. He chose purpose over popularity. He chose what God wanted over what other people thought about him. And I want you to know today that when you and I choose purpose over everything else, Purpose does at least three things for us. I want us to, to look at these three things. If you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The first thing that I want you to know about purpose is that purpose is there to help us minimize distractions. Purpose helps minimize distractions. Now, how many of you are easily distracted, right? I know that I am. Uh, you know what I mean? Some of the people in the room didn't even respond to the question because they were distracted. You know what I'm saying? They're thinking, man, what are we going to eat for lunch today? What's that guy up there talking about? Oh, can you see? Can you believe what that girl's wearing over there? Hey, did the pastor just ask me a question? I wasn't paying attention. We were distracted. We were easily distracted. But when we get connected to the purpose of God, when we get connected to what it is that God has called us to do, I want you to know that there really is, that purpose helps minimize all the other distractions in our life. My favorite example of this happening in the Bible is found in the Old Testament. I know that you might not know the story of a guy by the name of Nehemiah, but Nehemiah heard that his town, his hometown was a wreck. He heard that 
The walls of his city had been torn down. And what that meant was that the people of his city, they were really, they, they were just weren't protected. They were defenseless against anybody who might come in there and try to do them harm. And so he says, you know what, man, this is, this is devastating. And here's a little side note. If something devastates you, if something upsets you, if there's some sort of anger, that could very well be one of the purposes that God has for your life. Now, hold up and don't go crazy here because I'm not talking about, you know, when somebody pulls, you know, pulls out in front of you and you think, man, it's my job to run them off the road. That is not your purpose. Okay. I'm talking about a righteous anger, a righteous anger. When you see some sort of injustice being done, when you see something happening that shouldn't be happening, when you think about, you know what, there are all these children who are abused and somebody needs to do something. When you think about less fortunate people all around the world and how blessed you are, that could be God birthing some sort of purpose in your heart. Again, it's a righteous anger. So Nehemiah is upset. I can't believe somebody hasn't done anything here. He's thinking, so somebody needs to do something and that somebody might as well be me is what Nehemiah says. So he does something that seems impossible. He rallies all of his people to begin rebuilding this wall. And Nehemiah was a great leader. Nehemiah wasn't just on the ground barking orders at the people about how to rebuild this wall. No, Nehemiah is up on a ladder and he's placing stone after stone after stone after stone. He is working. He is doing a job. He's got purpose and he's doing all these things. And when all of a sudden two people, two people show up, two people who are enemies of God's plan and enemies of God's purpose, two people show up and they try to distract him. Their names are Sanballat and Tobiah. And how many of y'all know that anytime you really get connected to a purpose, to God's purpose, there's going to be something that comes along trying to distract you? Do you know that? that that's true. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. So they're saying, Nehemiah, you need to stop. Nehemiah, this is dumb. Nehemiah, this is crazy. Nehemiah, you'll never get this done. You'll never be able to finish this wall. But he just keeps putting block on top of block, on top of block, on top of block. He's working and he's working. He's working through voices of discouragement. He's working through the voices of doubt. He's up there placing stone after stone after stone. And so Sanballat and Tobiah are like, you need to stop and you need to come and meet with us. And I love what the Bible says. You got to see what happens. This is amazing. Nehemiah chapter six, verse three, check this out. Nehemiah says, so I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I have it? Why, why shall the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Man, I love that verse. I love that verse. These guys, again, they're trying to distract Nehemiah. And he says, man, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop doing this great work. I'm doing a great work. I am fulfilling God's purpose for my life. I am going to be faithful in this moment. Your opinion of me doesn't matter. Your opinion of what I need to do doesn't matter. I'm not going to listen to the voices of doubt. I'm not going to be stopped from what it is that God wants me to do. I am doing a great work. I can't come down. And I'm telling you, some of the very people in this room, you need to embrace that type of attitude for your life. You are doing a great work. You're not going to be distracted. You're not going to come down. You need to embrace that. You need to embrace it. You need to embrace your purpose and not 
be distracted. When people try to get you to live a different way other than the way that you know God wants you to live, you need to say, you know what? I'm not coming down. I'm doing a great work. When people try to get you just to, just to be mad and do all these crazy things, live a way contrary to God's word, you need to say, I'm not coming down. I'm doing a great work work. I'm doing a great work. When the devil tries to hinder you, when he tries to stop you, you need to say, I ain't got time for all that. I'm doing a great work. I'm not going to stop. When people say, you know what? It doesn't look like what you're doing is very important. It doesn't look like what you're doing is very significant. You need to say, well, you know what? It might not right now as I place stone number one, stone number two, stone number three, but as I am faithful, as I am faithful, I know God's doing something bigger, and so I'm doing a great work. I cannot stop. Man, this is a true story. True story. I'm not even exaggerating. When we first started Elevate Church, there were people right here in this city who told us, why are you doing that? That's dumb. Vicksburg doesn't need another church. They told me I didn't need to start another church. True story. True story. I had somebody call me on the phone. Call me on the phone and say, Robert, you're a terrible pastor. And the best thing for you would be to leave Vicksburg, Mississippi. You know what I said in my mind? I ain't got time to listen to all that. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. God has called us to reach people far from Christ and far from his church. And so that's what we're going to do. We're doing a great work. We can't come down. I believe that you can say that. We can say that. This church can say that. We don't have to stop. We're doing a great work. We can't come down. We're not going to get distracted. See, they tried to stop Nehemiah, and they didn't just try to stop him one time. No, they didn't just try to stop him one time. I want you to see what verse 4 of Nehemiah chapter 6 says. It says, four times they sent me the same proposal. You need to stop. You need to stop. And I gave them the same reply every time. I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. How was Nehemiah able to do that? How? Again, it's because he was connected to his purpose. He was connected to what it was that God wants him to do. What would happen if each and every person in this room took our purpose that serious? What would happen? You say, Robert, I'd be that serious about my purpose if I knew what my purpose actually was. Well, you want to know what your purpose is? I'm going to tell you. In fact, it's not going to be me. It's going to be the Bible. But I want you to see what your purpose is, what my purpose is. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those of us who are followers of Christ, for those of us who are Christians, the Bible says, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sister, sisters. Your purpose, my purpose, is to become like Jesus. Not to become Jesus, not to, be, to become God, but to be like Christ. That means to do the things that Christ did, to love people, to serve people, to encourage people, to spread the gospel, to reach out. And those are things that each and every one of us can do no matter what our occupation is, no matter where we go, no matter what day of the week it is. I'm telling you, our purpose is to be like Christ. The world tells us to fit in. The world tells us to be like this, to be like that, to do this and do that. But I'm telling you, 
that God wants you and I to be faithful to love, faithful to serve, faithful to forgive, faithful to all the things he's calling us to do in his word. And so you and I need to say, you know what? I can't come down. Why should the work of God stop while I come down? Why should it stop? I'm not going to be distracted. Tell your neighbor, I'm not going to be distracted. Now tell the person who tried to tell you, I'm not going to be distracted to stop distracting you, right? They were trying, hey, I'm trying to listen. Tell them that. All right, so purpose. Purpose helps us minimize distraction. Number two, the second thing that I want you to see about purpose today is that purpose pushes you through pain. Purpose pushes you through pain. Think about Moses. God calls Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, you got to let my people go. And it doesn't happen right away. In fact, things get really hard for the Israelites, for the children of God. Things get hard for Moses because the children of God begin to hate Moses. They begin to think, man, this is all your fault. You have caused things to be so much harder for us. You have messed up. This is your fault. You've made our lives miserable. And so I'm, I, I just can't help but think that Moses began to wonder why. Why are people beginning to hate me? Why are beginning, people beginning to hate me for doing what God has called me to do? Why are people beginning to hate me for trying to, to help him? It had to have been emotionally painful for him. But he said, you know what? No matter what. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to push through the pain because I'm connected to my purpose. Think about Jesus. Think about Christ. Jesus came to this earth to die, and he lived 33 years on this earth. And the last three years of his life, he was pretty popular, right? People everywhere, man, they were following him. They would have followed him to the ends of the earth, man. People love him. One day he rolls up into Jerusalem and they basically throw a parade in his name. People, man, they're throwing their coats down, letting him walk over them while he's riding on a donkey, man. They're putting palm branches down. They're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Man, they love Jesus. They love him. He's on top of the world. And the time comes for Christ to die, man. And he knows that it's going to be a horrible death. Jesus isn't just going to pass away in his sleep. He knows it's going to be a painful death, a horrific death. He knows things are going to get bad. And he has so much anxiety about it that he begins to sweat. And he's not sweating like you and I sweat when we're doing hard work. No, no, no. He's sweating big drops of blood because, again, he's distressed. He's in so much pain. He knows, again, he's about to die this horrible death. It's going to be bad. Man, they are going to strip him naked. They are going to beat him with a cat of nine tails. Man, they are going to force him to carry his cross after they have rammed this crown of thorns deep into his skull. They're going to, he's going to have to carry a cross, be nailed to a cross. He's going to be crucified. And how in the world was he able to go through all of this? Man, it was going to be painful. He could have said, you know what? I don't have to do this. I'll just stay right here on top of the world, and I'll try to make other people happy. I'll live for myself, but he didn't. Why? Why was he like that? Because he wasn't going to be distracted by, from his purpose. I want you to see in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering. He knew all the suffering that was coming. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done not mine. Why was Christ able to endure all 
that suffering. Why was he able to push through the pain? It's because he knew his purpose. And again, he wasn't going to be distracted. He wasn't going to be distracted. He was going to push through that. See, I want you to know that when you connect to the purpose of God in your life, there will be pain. There will be heartache. There will be resistance. But purpose helps you push, push through that because you say, you know what? You know what? This pain that I'm going through is nothing compared to the pain that Christ endured on my behalf. And I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm not going to let the critics stop me. I'm not going to let the opposition stop me. I'm not going to let the pain stop me. This is something that God wants me to do, and I'm going to do it. So purpose helps minimize distractions. Purpose pushes you through pain. And the third thing that I want you to see this morning about purpose is this. Purpose empowers you to please God. Purpose empowers you to please God. In the New Testament, you can read about a guy by the name of Peter and a guy by the name of John. You can read about all the other disciples and the apostles. Well, one day they are preaching about Christ. They are preaching about Jesus and all these other religious people. They come up to them and they say, hey, 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 you got to stop. You don't need to be preaching about Christ. You don't need to be preaching about Jesus. Now, the disciples had already been thrown in prison a few times for, for preaching about Jesus. They had already been beaten for preaching about Jesus. And so again, here they come up to him. They're saying, hey, you can't talk about Jesus. 2,000 years ago, they told him, hey, you can't talk about Jesus. And what's funny is that things haven't changed very much in the last 2,000 years because you still can't really preach about Jesus, right? You can talk about God, all you want. You can talk about a supreme being. You can talk about, about spirituality. But the moment you talk about Jesus Christ, man, that is a no-no. You get stopped. Why? Well, it's because there is no other name under heaven by which you and I must be saved, man. There is power in the name of Jesus. He is the alpha. He is the omega. And one day, every tongue is going to confess and every knee is going to bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. The apostles are told, you can't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. You can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore, just like it is today. So how do the apostles respond to this? I want you to see it in Acts chapter 4, verse 19. This is amazing. But Peter and John, look at these guys. And they reply, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop talking about everything we have seen and everything that we have heard. You see what they said right there? The apostles said, whoa, we, we, we can't help but talk about Jesus. We can't. In other words, when, when you have been transformed the way that we have been transformed, when you have seen the things that we have seen, when you have experienced the things that we have experienced, you can't help but talk about Christ. When you've been forgiven the way that we've been forgiven, you can't help but talk about Christ. We can't help speaking about that name. They say, you can beat us, but we're still going to talk about Jesus. You can throw us in prison, but the last time you did that, an angel bust us out. You can try to kill us, and it's not going to stop us. We're still going to preach Jesus. Why? Why were they able to do that? It's because they had to obey who? God, rather than man. Who are we supposed to obey? God rather than man. 
We obey God. Why? Because the truth of the matter is, you can't please man. You can't. We can't please everybody. But we'll try. And we'll try hard. And I think some of us, man, that's the driving force in our life. is to please others. To please people. And truthfully, that's a pathetic way to live. Think about it. And we're always worried about, do they like my shirt? Do they like my jeans? Do they like my shoes? Did they like that picture I posted on Facebook? They didn't like it, you know what I mean? But they told me they liked it, but they didn't really hit the, the like. They didn't click the like button. Why didn't they respond to my text message? I know that they got it. It said it, they received it and they read it at this time on this date. Why didn't they respond? I saw the bubbles, man. It was like they were talking. You know what I mean? They were about to respond to me, but they didn't respond. Why didn't they respond? Do they not like me? Did I do something wrong? Why didn't they like me? Don't they like me? Do 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 they like me? Folks, that is exhausting. Trying to please everybody. And I'm telling you, living that way keeps us away from the purposes of God. See, I'm wrapping up, but we can't please everybody. The great theologian Ricky Nelson sang a song back in 1985. He said, it's all right now. I learned my lesson well. See, you can't please everyone, so you got to please yourself. Ricky Nelson said, I learned my lesson well. I can't please everybody. But he hadn't learned his lesson well enough because the truth of the matter is, sometimes we can't even please ourselves, right? But you know who we can please? We can please God. You can please God. I can please God. We can please him. Some of us need to get that in our soul, that we can please him. We can't please everybody, but we can please God. Now, how? How can we please God? We please God when we choose to live a life of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whenever we choose to live that life of faith, again, we please God. Whenever we die to ourselves and let Christ live through us, we please God. Whenever we do what God wants us to do, we are pleasing God. Whenever we are doing what we are called to do, we are pleasing God. It doesn't matter what other people think about us. We can't please them anyway, but we can please God. We can please God. So we get connected to his purpose for our life. And we say, I'm not going to get distracted by anything else. We understand that we're doing a great work and we can't stop. We're not going to come down and do something else. I'm telling you, somebody here this morning needs to get free from this thought that you can please everyone because you can't. Don't get tied up trying to please people you'll never be able to please. Get connected to God. Live your life pleasing the one that you can, the only one you can please. Live your life for God. Devote your life to Christ and his purpose. Stay faithful to that. Don't come down from that. Don't come down from that. You can please God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. 
but I can't help but think that there are people here today who know that they are far from God. You haven't given God your heart. You haven't given God your life. Well, I want you to know that that's the first step to pleasing Christ, to being saved, to surrendering to him. And so if you know today that you need to be saved, I'm going to ask right where you are that you pray this prayer. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. I surrender to you. God, I ask right now that you would come into my heart, that you would change me, make me into a new creation. Help me understand today that the old has gone, the new has come, and fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can be who it is that you want me to be. Father, today I confess you as Lord. Hey, listen, nobody's looking around. Everybody's eyes are still closed. But if you prayed that prayer today to give Christ your heart and life, I'm going to ask it right where you are that you, you lift your hand. I just, I just want to know that God's moving. Amen, amen, amen. Father, I want to pray for each and every other person in this room. Help us today to choose purpose over comfort, purpose over popularity, purpose over everything else in this world, and not just purpose in general, but your purpose for our life. Help us to realize that by doing that, we can truly please you, and by doing that, one day we will hear your voice say, well done, good and faithful servant. We can please you. Thank you, Father, for today. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.